Welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio, the podcast where marketing leaders inside and outside the sciences share their creative ideas and practical approaches to increasing your marketing ROI. Here's your host, Chris Connor. Hello again and welcome back. Uh, we've got something a little bit different today. I think you're going to like it and we're going to find out how the American Chemical Society does content marketing. Before we get started, I want to remind you that next week on August 7th and 8th is the Life Science Marketing Super Summit. So nine marketing experts in the life sciences will be giving webinars over a two-day period on all kinds of topics, content marketing, positioning, analytics, marketing automation. I'm going to talk about audio content. And uh, it's really worth checking out. I think there's going to be something in there for everyone. And you can find out more about it at affinitybiotechnology.com. And when you attend, you will get a 10% discount offer to attend the ACPLS annual meeting. That's the Association of Commercial Professionals in the Life Sciences. That meeting takes place in October on the 19th through the 21st in Philadelphia. So great chance to get a, a, the best rate possible on that event. Now let's get back to the show. Today I'm speaking with Wendy Wise. She's the Assistant Director for Content Marketing at the American Chemical Society. And that includes 50 journals of the ACS, notably JACS, ACS Central Science, and CNE News. Wendy, welcome to Life Science Marketing Radio. Hi, thank you. This is going to be a good one. Um, today, we're going to talk about marketing to scientists with content. We do that sometimes. But you're selling something different than the marketers in my audience. You, but you still need to engage them with something relevant. And that's where I think the person listening here can learn a lot from you and maybe take away some new ideas. So you're marketing a large number of journals from the ACS. Each one of those is different. Can yep. you give, for the context of this conversation, give a or describe the range of publications you're talking about? Well, so we publish, as you mentioned, um, around 50 journals, and, you know, we have everything from the multidisciplinary uh, nature of journals, such as Jackson, ACS Central Science, and ACS Omega, um, which are more general chemistry and interested in, in papers from all around uh, the, the different areas of chemistry. And then we have journals that are very specific to a topical area, like um, biochemistry or ACS Chem Neuroscience or ACS Nano. Um, that focus on a particular area in in uh, chemistry um, and in this in a smaller group um, than a smaller target audience exists for those journals. Right, and each one has an editor who is a person working in a lab, right? Not a publishing house. Yeah, exactly. So this is what um, makes um, our journals um, as a publisher um, pretty unique um, in that we have these active researchers. Um, heading our journals, so people who are in the lab who are um, constantly, you know, experimenting and, and pushing the boundaries of science themselves, um, reading papers and, and publishing work um, that's relevant to the area that they're um, active researcher experts in. And how do you work with them to kind of set an editorial agenda? 
So we have a, a different group um, besides the, the marketing team called the Editorial Development Group that works with them um, quite closely to, um, you know, develop the scope. But it's really the, the editor's um, vision for the journal is what, you know, we try to promote and, and work with. Um, of course, ACS Publications main, maintains some um, overview of that as well, but but mainly it's the editor's vision that we're trying to um, fulfill. And do they have, uh, this just came to my mind, Like, do they have an unlimited tenure at this job or as long as they want to do it or? Um, you know, some, it, no, it's not unlimited. Uh, most of the time it's, um, you know, at the editor's discretion. The, these people are really, really busy um, rock stars in the scientific world. So, you know, sometimes um, they're happy to be editor for 20 years, and sometimes they say after five years, you know what, I'd rather not uh, re-sign this contract because I've got other initiatives that I'm working on right now, and I just I, I want to move on to something different. Right. That makes total sense. I was just curious because I thought, yeah, it's a long time to do something, and how do you guys keep it fresh, uh, and so on. So, of yeah. course, your goal is to get scientists to publish in those journals. And Yes. What does it take to make them think that you're the right fit, like a particular journal? How do you make them think, my story or my manuscript needs to go in here? Well, so the the publishing world in sciences um, hinges on a lot of uh, metrics. Um, one of those metrics that is used to, to judge um, whether or not um, a journal is significant is called an impact factor, and that's published by Thomson Reuters. So we do a lot of marketing around what our different impact factors for our journals are. But that's not the entire story um, behind any of our products. Um, so we have actually sort of turned a new leaf um, in that we're doing more content marketing to try and, um, you know, interest folks into publishing their articles with us, um, and, and one of those, um, and one of the initiatives in the content marketing uh, sphere that we've been pushing is our new blog called ACS Axial, um, and that blog was set up so that we could tell the stories behind the journals, because when you have these really prolific scientists, you know, leading your brands, there's just so much information that you can interest people with. You know, they're, what are they doing in their labs? Um, what is their personal history like, um, and you can. There's just different stories to tell behind that, as well as for our services. You know, we do a lot of um, things like um, open access programs and author services, and, and there are stories to tell behind those as well. So we've been doing, we've been running a blog and and daily publishing new stories about our products and services, and then emailing out um, our opt-ins and our interested uh, marketing lists. Um, once a month with different newsletters, um, you know, uh, tailored to their taste. Yeah. So I'm more, I'm curious to hear about these personal profiles. Are you, you know, publishing, uh, kind of a portrait of someone's career, the path they took, you know, the science they've done to get where they are. What does that look like? Yeah. So we've done stories like that, you know, where you do like a profile story on, on your, your main subjects. In this case, it would be our, our active uh, research editors. Um, but we've actually been trying to push the boundaries of what uh, the stories that we're telling and the ways that we're telling them, too, because, I mean, people have so much to read these days that we're not necessarily thinking they're going to stop in what they're doing because they can just read another article that they're lambasted with about um, more subject matter, you know, or more scientific 
stuff. Um, so we've been trying to do sort of new and unique um, formats when coming up with blog posts. And uh, one of the most recent um, uh, blog posts we did um, was using a what we call a 360 camera. Uh, we brought the 360 camera into one of our active researcher editors' labs, and we used the camera to um, photograph his entire lab um, so that when we got the images back, it was, I don't know if you've ever seen like the HGTV Dreamhouse, but it was like one of the rooms in the HGTV Dreamhouse where you could move the image around and see the entire lab and see all of his equipment. And we pointed out different things on the video, um, you know, as to what he was working on. And it became kind of this really interesting, interactive um, story that we could tell with images instead of, you know, you know, 500 words or 1,000 words um, that people could look at relatively quickly and that they got excited about. And we're hoping that that excitement that they felt from looking at the 360 video then will translate into... Um, excitement about the journal itself. Um, and we called that, it's a series, it's, it's called In the Lab with our various editors. I like that. I mean, it's just a novel kind of content to have those 360 degree images. Uh, I think everybody's curious about what the labs of people they've worked with actually look like or people that, whose papers they've read. Um, they want to know what other people have, what they're doing and and how they solve those problems. So I think that's a great idea. Um, you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned previously also, a sort of an innovative campaign around launching a new journal. Can you tell us about that? Yeah. So we, uh, last year we launched, um, well, last year we ran a campaign to launch a, a journal that we, um, launched this year in the summer, um, called ACS Omega. Um, it's one of our newest open access journals. Um, but we had a little bit of time before the before we were going to let people know that it existed. So we decided that we were going to do something a little bit different, um, and we wanted to sort of tease people as to like what was coming. So we did something called a teaser campaign um, that ran about two weeks before we made the announcement about this new journal that that we launched. Um, and we did that um, through what we called our Clue campaign. Um, I don't know if, if you recall, if you go to 7-Eleven and you buy a lottery scratch-off or something, you use the coin and you can scratch off stuff that's underneath. Um, one, of my, um, one of my bosses had this idea that we should use some sort of scratch-off campaign in a, in, a, in a mailing or in a something. And instead of using it in a, in a, like a, a paper mailing, we decided we were going to take that concept and use it in this campaign um, in using a program called Scratch It, which is like a digital scratch-off. So we, um, we sent out some emails, um, clues, basically, um, as to what this new journal um, was going to be about. So we did it uh, for scratch-offs, and every time you scratched off um, one of our, our scratches, it revealed a letter from the name of the new journal. So we had people scratch off O for open access, and M for multidisciplinary, and E for expedited publishing time, and G for global, as this was a very global journal that we were launching. Um, and we had a lot of fun and a lot of success with that campaign. Um, people were excited to find out what it was. They weren't sure. 
Um, we, we tease them about a big announcement coming, you know, two weeks from now to keep following us with the Clue campaign and keep scratching off uh, letters as they were released. And, um, and we saw about, um, we used that campaign to get people to sign up for our email list. And we saw uh, at the end about 10,000 folks had subscribed to our email list for this new journal, which was fantastic. I mean, we were just, we were thrilled with that number. Yeah, that's phenomenal. I, I, I think it's a, it's a brilliant result and, and obviously an engaging thing that got people interested. You know, scientists are curious. They also want to, you know, they want to be the first to figure something out. So a teaser thing exactly. like that. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. They're very smart and they like to solve problems. And so we gave them the sort of something they could guess at. And we got a lot of guesses in too that were pretty interesting. Nobody guessed the, the right name of the journal, which turned out to be Atheist Omega. Wow. But, um, but we had some really interesting, interesting names. <laughs> so was uh, now I'm curious about the branding of the journal itself. Omega, was it exactly as you said there, open access, multidisciplinary, or was the name chosen for some other reason? And then you figured out. Those- you know, it's funny. We um, hired a um, there's actually groups that come in a consulting firm that helped. Well, that attempted to help us name the journal. So they were a naming consultant group that have named big pharmaceutical um, products in the past and, and whatnot. And and they were good. They started the brainstorming process for us. But we actually came up with the name on our own um, through a kind of late night email brainstorm um, group email with about five of us um, just going through different ideas or different names, different iterations. Um, you know, I think we started with alpha, gamma, whatever, we went <laughs> sort of through the whole Greek alphabet before somebody said, hey, what about Omega? And we were like, oh, my gosh, that's the perfect name for this journal because of the open access nature of it. And it's also, you know, going to be publishing a substantial amount of articles, and sometimes we refer to those as mega journals. Ah, okay. No, I, I, that's, I love that story. I've been involved in a couple of naming projects, and... I don't know what other people's experiences have been. They're harder than you can imagine. And I have seen, honestly, the most, how do I want to say it, intense battles in a conference room (laughs) that I have ever seen over the naming of a product. Wow. (laughs) The the, the most intense marketing discussions ever because people get very emotional around these things. It was was amazing Um, because there were some constraints – on us about what we could and couldn't use. And there was a historical name, but we had to rebrand something and, and yeah. And, and, um, people had some very strong feelings about it. Um, and then I've been other ones where it's just like you come up with a gazillion names and there's already a big product line and how do you make it new and interesting and not contrived or whatever. It's a hard thing. It's a very hard thing. You know, we actually had a name that we were using um, internally. We called it code name something else. I'm not going to say what the other name <laughs> is. But um, that we were using internally. And we didn't have everybody on board with that name. And so I think it became important to find one that was universally like internally. And that one, I mean, pretty much won out immediately. So, Well, that's a great story. Well, I, I love all the stuff you're doing and it sounds like, and, and what I think people are going to take away from this is, is really just thinking about new ways, um, and new types of content again with the 3d camera, 
it's not about science itself or any particular part of chemistry. It, it's about the people who are doing it, and they're, they're interested in that, and they have curiosity about that. And then with your scratcher campaign, um, I mean, I don't know if you can – it is content marketing. I mean, you're, you're getting people involved in a contest. It's interactive content, which actually is probably um, more rare than um, – any other type of content. So that that's another brilliant example. And hopefully people listening to this get some new ideas for things they can do for selling instruments or reagents or whatever else they're doing. Yeah, you definitely have to sort of knock people off guard a little bit because, as I said, they're getting so many emails every single day. Um, unless your, your product or your push or your content is a little bit different than everybody else's, um, it's going to be hard to stand out. That's always what I feel like. And so my team and myself and, and my colleagues, we push really hard to try to be innovative in our marketing. Uh, I can't even, I can't, I won't even restate that. I mean, that's it. You just said it. You get, <laughs> <laughs> that's the lesson that hopefully more people will, will listen to. Well, Wendy, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Is there someplace, um, we should point people to see some of these examples or can you, um, Send me some links and I'll put them in the show notes with the podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would I would encourage everyone to um, check out our blog ACS Axial. Um, Is and that Axial A X I A L dot ACS dot org? Oh, okay. Yeah, I'll definitely put that in the show notes. Um, there'll be a link there. And yeah, thanks again. No problem. Yeah. Well, there you have it. Wendy just told us a couple great ways to break through the clutter with your content marketing just by doing things a little bit differently, telling a story in a different way. I really enjoyed that one. If you enjoyed the podcast, as always, tell two friends. I really appreciate it. It helps us grow the podcast, build an audience, get more people, more guests on the, on the show so that we can all learn from their their experiences. And with that, I will talk to you in a couple weeks. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.